Hello, I am delighted to be back again today with my friends, Dr. Tima Tastenhar and Lance Schuttler for the third in our series of podcasts on optimizing health and happiness for humans and animals. So in the first of these series, which you'll find under podcast four, we discuss what is health. And then in podcast number five, we discuss what is happiness. So in this episode, we are discussing how our choices affect our health and happiness. This is obviously a huge area, but we hope that everyone can identify something that resonates with them from this episode and is going to inspire them to make a change in their life. As always, we also apply this to the animals in our care who are dependent on us, the humans in their lives, to make the best decisions possible for their health and happiness. I love the perspectives that both Lance and Timo bring to this discussion. So please sit back, enjoy the episode, and let us know in the reviews or the comment sections below, depending on what platform you're watching this on, what resonates with you. Thank you for listening. Right, I am delighted to be back again today with my lovely friends, Dr. Timo and Lance, for the third in our series about optimizing health and happiness for humans and our animals. So for those of you that haven't listened to podcast number four and five, please do go back and listen to those. But let me introduce my guests to you. So we have got Dr. Timo Tastahar. Hello, Timo. Hello. And Timo is a vet um, with a doctoral degree in equine cardiology. And Timo has worked extensively in the equine and pet food and supplement industry in production, formulation and consultation for various companies. Dr. Timo specialises in animal physiology and movement with broad experience in rehabilitation and nanomedicine for horses and pets. And he's known for his ability to break down complicated scientific data and concepts and explain them to the general public. So we'll be testing you on that today, Timo. Yeah. Um, like the rest of us, he very much prefers natural solutions as much as possible, prioritizing long-term functional solutions to avoid the drastic unwanted side effects often associated with short-term results. Yes. And Lance, Lance Shuttler graduated from the University of Iowa with a bachelor's degree in health science. And Lance is the CEO and owner of Ascent Nutrition, a unique holistic nutrition company, which both Timo and I absolutely love your products. Yeah. Lance is a contributing health and wellness writer at the Epoch Times, and his work includes the topics of regenerative agriculture, resource-based economies, and quantum technologies. And for those of you that haven't met me before, my name is Catherine Edwards. I'm a biologist and a holistic health practitioner, and I work with animals and their humans in that order um, to really look at holistic, natural solutions to rebalance mind, body and spirit. And very much like Timo and Lance to look at lasting solutions for optimizing health and happiness. So. Such an exciting topic today and something that I think is affecting every single one of our listeners, how our choices affect our health and happiness. So I'm going to come to you first, Lance, and ask, first of all, can we separate health and happiness? So I I don't think that you can. I think that you, you can attempt to. But I think at the end of the day, it, it does come down to a few different things. Uh, First, I guess it depends how you define health and happiness, but the way that I'm defining it in my mind, uh, true health coincides with true happiness. And yes, you can be in great physical and you know mental health um, in, in many ways. And if one isn't truly deeply down, fulfilled, or happy, um, you know, I don't know if you would call that you know, true health and true happiness both ways. So from my perspective, I don't think you can separate them. We can analyze it all day. Um, but to me, I think health and happiness, that's what I'm aiming for, for sure in my life is, you know, the merging of those two and the, the feeling of what that gives both physically, mentally, and emotionally. I love it. Now, what about you, Timo? Can you separate health and happiness? <laughs> 
I disagree. I think for a while, at least, you can be totally super healthy and totally unhappy. But on the long run, I think they have to be together. If not, one is going to break the other one, especially if your health is bad and you cannot really be happy. I mean, you can act happy and you can feel also still happy to a degree, but you cannot be really truly happy if, if something is really lacking as a health. But on the other hand, you can be totally healthy, like all functions, totally fine. You can be a teenager and don't be happy with your life at all, like zero, but totally functional and health, healthy too. But when the age is catching up, then I think happiness and health has to be hand in hand. If not, one is breaking the other easily. Yeah, and for my two pennies worth, I think, you know, we're so used to in our way of in our Western culture of talking about physical health as a separate entity from mental health. Um, and for me, that's where it sort of all breaks down, because for me, you can't separate physical and mental health at all. They're intrinsically linked. And equally, we can't separate ourselves from the quantum field and the environment and the impact we're having on everything and everyone around us. Yeah. So I think when we try and sort of look at things in terms of an overall and stop always taking everything down to its constituent parts and look at that overall feeling of are we optimizing our health and happiness together, then it makes it a lot easier. So for, so for me, for example, when I'm feeling in a happy place, when I'm content, we're going to come on and talk what this means to us. It's much easier for me to make healthier choices in my life, which are going to support my physical health as well. So it's a big one. But I think it's it's very important for everyone to consider on their own you know, personal circumstances of where they're at in balancing it. Because like anything in life, if you focus too much down in one direction, it can push you off off track. So now let's let's have a look then, based on the fact that we're pretty much in agreement that you can't really separate the health and happiness. What are some of the main areas of core things that people need to look at to keep to balance their health and happiness? What would they be for you, Lance? Um, clearly exercise, uh, clearly diet, um, lifestyle. And lifestyle is a very broad word for a lot of specific things you know, how, how well is someone reducing their exposure to EMFs as one example? Um, and, you know, because we know that EMFs have detrimental effects to the brain and nervous system, which then interrupts, you know, uh, certain uh, pathways to where, you know, it, it will disrupt how happy we feel. So, um, you know, just different exposures like that, when we combine those, uh, you know, they elicit different effects, but the overall uh, message is simply that, you know, diet, lifestyle, exercise, those are three huge key areas. And, you know, I think then doing things that are creative or some sort of like passionate outlet that you have, whether it's art or music or, you know, playing with your kids or playing sports of some sort, something that where you can play and have fun and, and be creative and let off energy that way too. Um, and then really just any sort of other practices that people have, meditation, prayer, uh, you know, yoga, stretching, different things like that, breathing. Um, I think that literally all ties together into health and happiness. And of course, there's even more, you know, that's just a small list of some possibilities. Yeah, I agree with all of those. Timo, what have you got to add to that list? I actually uh, think very similar, but I think the easiest way uh, to go with this is to compare your input to your output level. So how many things are coming into you daily and how many things you can express yourself with. And uh, as Lan said, that can be anything from sport to crafts and arts and to yeah, fine arts to whatever photography, whatever you are uh, interested in. But the most important thing is think about if your voice is heard, not important by a person, but by your environment. It, are you expressing yourself? And can you actually let off things that come in and bother you or even overfill you with energy? Because positive energy, not important how good, 
when it's too much, everything too much is too much. We talked about it before. Everything uh, too much of something is also too much. Not important if it's good or not. And uh, the balance is mostly, can you balance the everything that comes as an impulse with your expression? Impulse versus expression. If this is in balance, then you probably function very well mentally. And that has a huge impact on your total health. Because if you're not functioning properly with your um, mental capacity, so not important how good your body is, you can't be happy. So mm. it, it can't work. So one of the things we've touched on in podcast four and five, when we were looking individually at health and happiness, was stress. Now, stress, modern day sort of chronic stress is very different to what perhaps as a species we've we've faced in the past. And this is a big impact on both health and happiness and means things, very different things for different people. How much impact do you think stress has on people's ability to manage their health and make healthy choices, Lance? Um, immensely, immensely, because stress it's necessary for growth and now of course there's certain levels like if it's too much stress just like Timo saying it doesn't matter if it's a good or bad thing if it's too much or too little then it's too much or too little and you know some stress is necessary for us to grow like when we exercise we need to stress our nervous system which then helps our muscles and the skeletal system and when we're learning something new, diving deep in a textbook or something like that, we're stimulating the mind and the brain to have to really try to learn and, and form new pathways, literally, to overcome this challenge and this stress. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it's there and it certainly plays a role because it, it's foundational, actually. And as it relates more to when it's getting out of balance and it becomes too much stress. Um, you know, then that's really where incorporating some of those practices that we talked about in the last question, I think really can be beneficial because we all have been under too much stress and maybe people listening right now are under a lot of stress. Um, things that we can do right now in the moment can literally help fast. And of course, things also take time. We need to take other actions in our lives to remove stressors, but you know, we, we have the choice ultimately. Mm. Timo, one of the things I love is your ability to express the physiological effects of stress, whether it's on a dog or a human. Um, can you talk us through some of the things the listeners might need to know about what's happening in your body? Um, and by that, I'm including mind and body when yeah. you're reacting to a stressor. Well, of course, you um, produce a bunch of different hormones to cope with it. But when it comes down, the cells know only one type of stress, and that's the chemical stress. So whatever you are feeling, whatever stresses you mentally, it boils down for the body, at least, as one thing. And that's a chemical stress, the chemical reaction that comes with stress, all the stress hormones, all the stress molecules that are traveling between the cells, and the body tries to get rid of them. And uh, one of the main things comes with this is oxidation, heavily oxidation. And the body tries to produce uh, more uh, glutathione and get more vitamin C to cope with it. And if it can do it, you feel like no difference. But most of us are deficient in high quality nutrients anyway. So then the stress really starts to build up. And uh, cancer is a very good um example of how stress can build up, especially for women, uh, most of the breast cancer patients or, um, or reproductive uh, organ cancer can be really traced back to heavy stress or heavy trauma from something. And that shows how impactful stress is on a chemical level. Yeah. So I think this is important to know that your body doesn't know any type of stress, doesn't know the difference between your yeah, your discussion with your flatmate or or you don't like in your job or you don't like your car or whatever. None of these stresses your body know as a different stress. For you, there is only one stress physically, and that's the chemical stress. So, and the only way to change its effect 
is to be ready, get the uh, nourishment for it, get the sunlight for it, get the right water, get light sleep uh, to fight with it. And of course, change your mindset. Also, uh, how you <laughs> how you actually uh, see things as stress is a huge impact on how stressed how stressed you are. If if you think that uh, the neighbor's child hitting the floor is stressful for you. Uh, you can also put earbuds on or talk to your neighbor instead of just cursing all the time and feeling extremely stressed about it. Or you don't care about it. Suddenly, it's not there. So this is a really important point and one that we really want to discuss today about the choices that we make and how they impact on our stress. So it's really interesting. You know, the lovely work of Bruce Lipton and people on epigenetics have shown that whereas when I was young, we were taught that, you know, a lot of diseases are inherited. We now know that's not the case. Yeah. Equally, say you could have two people working in a chemical factory. Both have been working there for 30 years and one of them might de develop a disease from that and one might not. So there's yeah. more going on out there. And what a lot of research is now showing is that it's our choices that we make and the tools we have in our toolkit for how we choose to react. And people might find that a tricky thing to accept, mightn't they, about the fact that they can choose how they react to these external things that are going on in their environment. Um, what have you been learning about that, Lance, and, and some, how impactful that is on people about realising that they do have a choice about how to react? Um. You know, what I've been learning recently is actually bringing up examples in situations when it's happening um, and actually uh, helping myself to try to catch myself with language use and how I'm using language. Uh, and then also, um, you know, how people are tying it into what they're doing and saying, uh, because it really makes a difference that way. So can you give us some examples of that, that something just so that people can really sort of start to think about how it applies to them? Definitely. So if someone is um, getting frustrated with the situation, if you're having a conversation with someone, a friend, someone you work with, um, you know, whoever it is, and someone's getting frustrated with the situation, the other person doesn't have to match that energy. You know, it's common when we're you know, in a conversation and the energy is getting raised where maybe, you know, we want to like fight back with that energy or, or send that energy back. You know, someone's getting confrontational, you want to match it, but you don't have to. And you actually have more power in the place of not matching it because you literally diffuse it out. And of course, we're talking very vague terms here, but we all know that this stuff really does happen. When you you have, you know, good energy to be able to just not put up with, you know, certain things in conversations. You just hold that power and that ground and that that negativity or the frustration from the other person, whatever it might be, uh, does fizzle out and, and ground out literally. So that's one example. Um, and, you know, when we're talking and self-talking, so instead of saying, you know, I don't remember... Like, why isn't this happening for me? Why are, are not good things happening for me? Start affirming, you know, things are getting better for me. Things are getting better. Um, and we are creating what we are doing with our spoken word and, of course, our actions, too. It's such an important point. And I think, you know, um, one that people are becoming more and more aware of now. Um, you know, Timo, when people are looking at, at choices about how they react to things you know we all know that you can be in a room and a group of you and everyone's going to have different trigger points based yep. on what's going on for them internally how important is people to accept that and realize that um, because otherwise we'd all get exactly the same diseases we'd all um, have exactly the same things that caused us stress and that that's not the case at all yeah, uh, I can give you a good example. You have glasses right now. And actually, you see the bridge of your glasses, mm. but you ignore it. And after a while, you don't see it anymore. So actually, the bridge is a stress factor for your eyes because it's in the middle blocking your vision. Mm. But your brain says, okay, if it's there anyway, so just block it. And you don't see it anymore. You don't even think about it. 
And this is how we have to work with stresses like allergies that have actually no negative impact on us, like zero, no consequence. We just make them uh, having an impact on us because we give too much credit or attention to it rather than just ignore it, right? A black uh, housefly, it flies around, it just nerves you, although it doesn't even touch you. So just ignore it, let it be... So and then suddenly you don't have a problem in the uh, in the room anymore. You can just uh, keep up doing what you're doing. And uh, I also agree on how words have a huge impact. And I really put a lot of effort, you know, uh, in choosing my words or just analyze them. And one one interesting thing is how people interchangeably use uh, want and need. So I need you to buy me bread. No, it means you don't want to go buy bread and you want that person to go and buy bread. You don't need that person to buy you bread. You need the bread, but not the person to go and do it because you could also do it yourself. And because your needs, the, the way you put in your brain, the needs are more and more and more and more overshadowing actually what you want, suddenly what you think you need becomes more dominant and you feel like you cannot live with it, or you, it's stressful if it doesn't happen. It's, it's like 30-year-old um, maiden try to uh, marry the richest guy and waiting for the white uh, horse prince to pick her up. It will never happen. And, and this need of getting this dream come true destroys her life. Because what we see as need is not actually real. We want it, or we are programmed to wanting it, but we actually don't need it. Does it make sense? <laughs> You're not telling me. Definitely. You're not telling me that every time the helicopter goes over my house, it's not, that Daniel Craig. No. <laughs> I'm going to react really badly to that one. So it's a joke, everyone. Every time a helicopter goes over my house. I always joke to the children that it's Daniel Craig looking for me, but he obviously misses me every time. I've no idea yeah. why. No, it's a very important point, that Lance, isn't it? And it, it's something that people confuse a lot, and it, it's it got a huge impact on happiness, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The, the, the power of choice, like, again, you know, I, I've said it, but it really is um, – in some ways as simple as that, but also as uh, challenging as that. And it, it is just up to our choices what we do. Regaining health, losing health, just all, it's the culmination of our choices. Now, it's interesting. I've seen a lot of studies recently have shown, Timo and I speak about choices a lot when we're looking at animals, because anyone who's got animals who are living in the care of a human, that human is responsible for all the choices they make. And quite frankly, I don't think a lot of the time the animals would not have much confidence in the human that's making the choice for them. You right. know, if you don't understand, for example, how to feed yourself healthily, how on earth are you going to make the right choice for the animals or, or other humans in your care? But equally, there's a lot of studies that showing that what causes a lot of stress to people living in the Western world at the moment is we're bombarded with such a ridiculous amount of choices. And I think we spoke in the happiness podcast number five about how, you know, just take a classic, you know, you're snuggling down with your partner for a Friday night in in front of the sofa and an hour later, you still can't agree. There's so much choice about what you can watch on the TV, on the Netflix or whatever else it is. So sometimes too much choice can be very negative thing to people's health. What do you think about that, Timo? Well, again, it just makes also people want more. Mm. It's uh, and they don't people most of the people, including most of the kids, don't know the difference if I need something or if I want something just because I want something. I remember as a kid, I would go to the sports shop and I would tell that I'm playing basketball. I need basketball shoes the guy would give me some uh, and no matter what the clerk gave me I would actually choose the one that I liked from the very beginning his opinion didn't matter and, and so I always got what I want and actually not what I need maybe so this is the typical thing we go through life we just want and we think we need and that's not true and most of the time we miss what we need because we are just blinded by what we want 
a huge impact. I believe it's it also has a huge impact on choices because um, choices are mostly made impulsively and uh, 80% by your subconscious mind, 90%, sorry. And maybe the 10%, you choose something really by thinking about it. But 90%, you choose things according to what your environment gave to you up till that point. So uh, you don't have really free will in this if you don't really take the reins in your hand and think about everything you're doing. Uh, so your choices really make a huge difference for your happiness and your health. And most of the time you do it without knowing them, that, that you are choosing something without knowing. Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting, isn't it, Lance? When you look at, say, what different people in different countries think constitutes a healthy breakfast, it shows how misleading things can be. So if you ask someone in the UK what a healthy breakfast is, you're going to get a very different answer to, say, someone in Finland or the United States. And, and this shows, going to what you just mentioned there, Timo, about how much of what we think a choice is are actually very ingrained in us as habits or norms from very early on in childhood. So there's a joke I like when, you know, you're talking about someone with type 2 diabetes and, you know, um, a lot of people say this runs in my family. And the joke is, well, no, you've got it because no one runs in your family. <laughs> That's a good one. This is the non-politically correct podcast, by the <laughs> That's way. A really good one. But the thing is, to the people that are involved, they don't realise that because that lifestyle is completely normal to them. So Timo and I, Timo, we get this a lot when we're talking to people about what they feed their animals. And they'll say oh, I feed my dog a, a raw diet, so it's absolutely fine. And you're like, yes, but what the raw diet? It's yeah. like saying, well, if you're having beef each day, you're having a McDonald's beef burger or an organic steak from a, your local farm. Yeah. How much does this subconscious mind team, um, Lance, play in people's ability to sustain healthy choices for them? Because we see so many people can start off on some good habits, but it's very difficult for a lot of people to sustain them. Yeah, I mean, I think the subconscious is uh, clearly massive and a, a vital fundamental role. The percentage, I mean, I know Timo was talking recently about something like 90%, and I'll, I'll let him discuss that further. Um, but clearly it plays a huge role, and everything in and around us is, you know, at coming into our subconscious. And so we're being programmed by things everything it's and it's not even good or bad it's how we interpret it as we've talked about but we also then when we do interpret something that is actually adding to our life you know we want to keep that in keep that part of our subconscious uh maybe the way that we're talking about ourselves or the way we feel about ourselves changing those feelings or those words to something that's you know actually beneficial yeah. um but the subconscious i think is running us and uh, Timo, you talked about the the fridge example. I think that would be really cool to bring up as well, um, because that that is a powerful um, stimulator of awareness. You know, I did this class in university, and we it was on mindfulness. It was a the mindfulness based reduction um, stress reduction course from John Kabat-Zinn, and it was actually a class that we took in college and. Uh, we did this eating exercise where we took a grape and you lit or I, a, uh, a dried grape, so a raisin, and you put it in your mouth and you literally just are mindful with it the whole time of feeling the texture, you know, what does it taste like? What does it smell like? How does it feel? Just bringing, you know, true state of, of awareness into that moment and then being able to really sift through things. So the subconscious, you know, we can bypass it as well to become conscious of what we're doing. And that's the point with mindfulness and with a lot of these life hacks or biohacks to get us into the present moment where we are most powerful. I agree. Well, I can talk about the um, fridge. It's very easily. So if, if, if you really want to know what you're doing per day, just uh, put a blank paper on your fridge or a whiteboard or whatever, where you can with a pen, just make a cross or a, uh, just a line. Every time you open the fridge, you put a line on. And suddenly you realize you eat actually three times a day, but you open that fridge 25 times. But why did you do that? And you were not even aware you're doing that. 
And that will show you how many things you do without being aware. For instance, you have the surfer hair. You don't even know when your last time just corrected your hair the way it is, Lance, right? So you have just, you, you made it, but you, you didn't think about it. Or for instance, Catherine has a type of uh, smile on her face now with the, the head slightly tilted. She doesn't even think about tilting the head. Yeah. It's just her subconscious reaction to what I'm saying. So these are the things I'm I'm not trying to put people down. It's just the, the reality of human mind. And also animals are like that. We are just little conscious. We think that we are highly conscious, but we aren't. And if we accept that early on, then we can move on from there and then start to make, take action on our lives. And uh, the easiest way is, yeah, put just something on the fridge where you can make a line. And every time you go there, you put the line on and you will see very quickly that you are not in total control as you think. Now, that needs very nicely because I have been reading this amazing book by Dr. Rangan Chatterley, Happy Mind, Happy Life. I will put the link for everyone below. And Dr. Chatterley has got a fantastic podcast that I'll put the link together. And in this book, Happy Mind, Happy Life, Dr. Chatterjee talks about three key pillars of core happiness, which are contentment, which he's defining as being at peace with your life decisions, control, feeling that nothing within reason has the power to overwhelm you, and alignment, knowing that the person you want to be and who you are are one of the same. So should we just take a little minute to go through all of those? Because for me, I think he's really, really summed this up beautifully. Um, contentment, being at peace with your life's decisions. Crucial, isn't it, Lance? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think we talked about this in an earlier episode. I, I know that we did. We discussed this deeply. And, you know, my perspective on contentment and happiness and, you know, are they the same thing? Um, I believe that. You, you could define them as the same thing or similar. Um, and I really believe that if we can get to a place of contentment, of being happy with the decisions we've made and are making, uh, that's a really beautiful, empowering, uh, you know, joyful place to be in, for sure. What about you, Timo, um, being at peace with your life decisions? If you can reach that point, it can take a lot of stress out of your life, can't it? That is correct. It cannot be happening with me. So it's it's never going to. <laughs> but I knew you were going to say thing. that. I know already what I'm not going to accept. So because I always uh, strive to make things better for myself. And uh, yeah, I was an airhead very long time. I didn't grow up uh, early as many other people. So... <laughs> It, uh, it took a, a part of my life away, but it's all good. But I have another thing to say about it, and which is important. Uh, for some people, you have to have um, everything perfect to be able to survive. So I don't agree with it. And I think also, from what I can see, Lance also doesn't agree with that. You, you have to understand, okay, if I do this, have this decision, what does it take to make it? What does it take to be a, to be happy with that decision? That's about it. So it's like you you try to get out of yourself and look at yourself as a subject, not as a person, but as a subject. And you think if that decision will go on, what will happen to this subject? So what happens to it? And if you are happy with where it is go, it's going or you accept whatever happens, you will be okay with that decision. That's also important for some people. Then go for it and don't let anyone talk you out of it but if you think that you are not good at taking drastic action or you need very long time to settle thoughts and decisions then it may maybe makes uh, more sense to really think through who are you who do you want to be where do you want to go and what this decision will change for you right it's like every time i sit uh, to my driver's seat in my car I make a decision to pull this thing and click it in. And I don't do it automatically. I always think about it because that makes me drive next day too. So, and this is an active decision each and every day. And I think that's an important thing to think. What do you want to, which habits do you want to have as act, active uh, part of your life? Which habits do you think 
will bring you further and which habits are not as good. And also, you have to get out of this victim uh, victimhood a bit. Yeah, because my parents were not so-so, that's why I have this bad habit. So if you are aware of it, of it already, just get rid of it. It's done. It's like, if you know that you, you like to buy something more because when you were a child, you didn't have it, uh, and you know that is wrong, but you try to just put the reason behind it, just change it. It's not so hard. It's really not so hard. This so is my love. Sorry. Yeah, but this is, yeah. look, I really like the taste of Coca-Cola. I love Coca-Cola. I just stopped. And I said, I, I stopped today. And I stopped. Or the better one. This is, this is the funniest thing in my life. Um, I was a very giggly kid. And my brother would torture me. And he would wake me up in the time that I don't want to wake up. So one day, he was giggling me to wake me up. And I said in that moment, totally internally, I am not giggly anymore. And since then, I'm not giggly. Like, really, nobody can giggle me. It's, wow, I'm not joking. It's wow. just, it was a one-second decision that because I, I like to sleep more than, uh, more than whatever that was in that moment, and I didn't let him giggle me anymore. Not no torture, because I just decided no. And since then, no giggling, zero. <laughs> my, talk, my sisters used to torture me a lot as well. So, but I love Joe Dispenza about this. It's like you know, if you want to make changes in your life, the the key thing is is you have to make different decisions today to what you did yesterday. Yeah, it's really that simple. You know, your decisions are going to shape what you get in your life and and what comes back at you and if you're going to keep making the same decisions over and over again but it's lovely to be about around someone that is very at peace with their decisions because when you see when you get to the stage where you can see every decision as a learning experience I for me it gets a lot easier to be content and at peace with your decisions yeah mm. What about the next one? Control, feeling that nothing within reason has the power to overwhelm you. This this is so, so vital, isn't it? Lance, what tips have you got around that? Uh, to me, when I hear that, I think freedom and I think uh, free and happy and uh, really being able to do what you want and, and you know, feel in control and feel that there's nothing that's going to knock you off your course. And when you're in that state, I mean, you really are unstoppable as long as, you know, you know, within reason, of course. But uh, if you're doing things uh, out of integrity, then you really are an unstoppable with whatever you want to do and focus on. Um, and I really believe that having control, there's a lot of things having needs met uh, can be part of that. You know, feeling that you aren't going to have to go look for uh, another meal again. Uh, you know, just having those needs met and being able to uh, go way beyond that, to feel that nothing's out of reach. Timo, I'd like you to sort of just put your perspective in on the control side of thing as a pillar of happiness when we're talking about animals in our lives, because a lot of the time the animals in our lives have had a lot of the control taken out of their paws or hooves. Yeah, and they feel it every day. Mm. Uh, some some are happy with it because all these animals, most of the animals we have except cats, are very social. Some cats are social, but most of the time the cats are more uh, bosses for themselves, right? And we we somehow we respect that. If a dog is bossy, we just like who the hell are you? But if it's a cat, it's like yeah, that's that's a good cat. <laughs> and that even shows how important it is to have the right uh, perspective in whatever we are looking at because. As you can see, it's just so subjective how we actually accept the fact that the cat can be a boss by itself, just being totally nasty and naughty. We, we accept that. And for dogs, we don't. We think that, no, that you're a dog. You cannot do whatever you want. And it, it's like, yeah, and it shows. But we take so, so many choices away from our animals, including with who they are going to have a... Uh, sexual intercourse to how often they can pee to how often they can climb a tree to what they eat drink and sometimes we force things in uh, we put silly clothes on them or ribbons or we Terrible just cut their hair off when they don't want yeah we cut their fur when they don't want it and uh, 
we make them naked. Then they get cold. Then we put the put the jacket on. It's like okay, they had the jacket before, and it's perfectly fine. It was very good, and um, all this stuff. And uh, I think we have to think about it really hard. But um, where we have to think the hardest is do we really want to remove the genitals or let's say the reproductive organs of the animals because we want a certain lifestyle and they have to fit to it. So mm -hmm. if, 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 a, if a tomcat doesn't fit your lifestyle with his, uh, with his uh, active balls, then just don't get a male. So don't get it. Why, why get it and ruin it? Right? You think, you think about you, you buy a, a two meters couch and you have one meter room and you bring it home and cut it in half. You could also buy a one, one meter couch. You didn't need to buy a two meter one. So <laughs> I think that's, that's a really um, important uh, thing about every choice we make. Again, it comes to the need versus want. I want the male cat. Okay, but you removed everything. You're not a male anymore. Yeah. So. I Timo and I have got a whole series on our Vibrant Animal Team um, videos on my YouTube channel. So I'll put the link to that because it's really, really important because, you know, when we're responsible, once we this is why we're having these conversations, when we've got the awareness about how some of these things impact our own individual health and happiness, then whether you're a parent to two legged, four legged, winged or hooved or whatever, you're going to start making more conscious decisions about how you're impacting their health and happiness, which is absolutely crucial. Yeah. What about alignment? Now, for me, this alignment one is absolutely huge. Knowing that the person you want to be and who you are are one of the same. Is this something that you're very conscious of in your day-to-day decision-making, Lance? Um. It's a, uh, well, a good question to help me to become conscious of whether I'm conscious or not. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think it, overall, uh, in some ways, yes. And I know I'm sure in, in other ways, no. So um, I, I am striving to do my best and become my best and, uh, you know, just have happiness in what I do. Uh, but I know I'm, I'm not there yet. Uh, but, you know, I'm progressing along my path for sure. It's a big cause of stress, isn't it, Timo, when people feel out of alignment and often people feel that they're forced, again, to me, victim mentality, but actually it's a learned thing. You get you learn how to cope with the situations. So a lot of people in jobs where they feel they're expected to behave in a certain way that is out in alignment to some of their core values. Yeah, that is correct. So let, let's take me. I'm a free thinker, right? Every time I get a very nice job offer, I tell very openly that I'm not employable. Mm. Not just because I don't want to be a part of the company, but every time I am there, I'm useless because I want to do have my own opinion and my own choices. And I don't let anyone interfere with it. And that's not very, let's say, good for a corporate corporate environment. And But I know who I am. So I don't, I don't accept that. Even if it pays very well, it's just, it's a miserable life for me. I would not accept it. The problem is though, I have choices. Not many people have it. Mm. Especially if you are not in the Western world where you have good education and you have choices. Many people are born into poverty, let's say in Africa. They have to take the gun. They have to rape the woman. They have to mine the gold. They have to mine the trace elements that we need for our laptops. They have to. They are born in it. It's it's like you cannot just run away. There are some people who run away 7,000 kilometers through the desert and go to Europe and do something. But how many can do that? So uh, that's why I'm not very, how do you say, judgmental towards people who chooses, uh, let's say, yeah, unfavorable paths for themselves. And in mm. society, we like to judge them. I totally don't. And I think that those choices sometimes are really out of reach. So sometimes you cannot just choose it. Maybe you can get conscious after a while and you try to get rid of it. But how do you want to, I mean, think about, let's say, feudal Japan. How do you get out of it? Like, how, where do you go? You're in an island with five shogun and they tell you, you die or you kill. So what do you do? So that's why I'm, I am not that critical about it, but I want also people to understand, okay, subjective, uh, everything's fine, but be objective towards yourself and say, 
What am I today? It, does it satisfy me? With me, I'm never satisfied and I will never be satisfied because that's who I am. But at least I know that, right? But a lot of people are um, too much on one direction. So you have real sociopaths, you know, they're narcissists. They're like, oh, I'm, I'm superior to everyone and I can do whatever I want. Then you have the total uh, sheep that really want to please everyone so that everyone is happy with them so they can have a personality. So, but most of the people are in between. And this in-betweenness is a problem for most of us because the mind likes to settle. So humans like to settle our mind. And if you think that your character is, uh, yeah, it's not good enough, then you start to cope with it in different ways. So you try to buy expensive things for males. They like, they like their extremely loud Harleys or sports cars far beyond their own performance. You know, I, I had a very interesting conversation one day with a, a very rich guy from Italy who produces horse uh, equipment and from leather and really, really, yeah, very expensive stuff. So this guy came there with his uh, expensive Ferrari uh, and he ridiculed me when I said that I don't eat meat, I, I eat mostly plants. And he told me that, well, uh, this is, he made a stupid joke. I said, okay, let's run 100 meters. Whoever loses has to accept. And he said, I don't run. I have people who run for me. I said, what a, what a ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> I mean, and this is exactly where we are now. So it's like, the, we, we are not actually happy with who we are, but we cope with that, with different type of uh, funky ways. Uh, he's clearly overweight, he's unhealthy, and he thinks that because he can make money, that's okay. So well, it's not okay. If I always say, when people are naked, everyone is the same. It's just a human, human. human. It's not important what you have as clothes on you or what your bank account says or what keys you have from which car. The moment you're naked, you are the same as anyone else. So you have to accept it and move on. I think it's so interesting. I mean, we have spoken about this in episode um, four and five, but, you know, at the end of the day, when you're sort of sitting there and if you might have some tips, like, you know, reviewing your day or doing your gratitude, whatever, you can't really bullshit yourself. Um, you know, you know whether you've behaved in alignment with how, who you want to be. But then again, if you come back to the decisions, did I learn from it? What have I learned? What would I do lift differently? You don't then have to go into beating yourself up. And certainly for me, I know the people that I really choose to be around because they make me, I, they, they give that lovely, calming, but interesting place to be around. And so you want to be in their vibration and their energy when people are non-judgmental of themselves then normally they're very non-judgmental of others as well and they're nice to be around i agree mm. yeah absolutely Catherine. yeah so i think quite often you know you you can see a lot of the time where you're at because timo you've spoken a lot in our previous two talks about um the importance of self-assessment Yep. So this is a really big one. And, and really self-assessment when you, you are looking about who you've attracted into your life is a really good reflection back, do you think, about, um, you know, where you're at and, and whether you are a nice person to be around. Yeah, but, you know, some of the choices are really, we talked about it before with pheromones and everything. Some of those choices are not very consciously made. And uh, most people do not uh, really make their own environment. What most do you mean people, by that? Yeah, it's like most of the people do not choose their social environment. So they are into it. And uh, they come to it, they find people, but most of them do not choose because uh, subconsciously they chose it without knowing it. So, for instance, when you play music, uh, if you are with good musicians, you feel really good and it elevates you. But most of the time, you cannot choose them. You just play with the people you find in your environment. And if you have constantly people who are not good, you turn out to be not good. And it's, yeah, again, there are sometimes you cannot choose that evilly. 
you have to be aware of it and change the way your life happens, but you have to be aware of it. And that's really hard, I guess. This is the hardest part of choosing your own social environment because you have to be aware that you are choosing, actually. It's not happening to you. Hmm. What do you think about that, Lance? Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, again, choice. We're, we're choosing things that are happening. We're choosing to allow things in our life, choosing to do things, choosing to not do things, uh, choosing to perceive things in certain ways. Um, you know, again, a lot of it's subconscious, but the more that we can make it conscious and bring back the power of choice into it, the, the, the further we will progress. And I think that ties into those three words really well of, you know, if we're content and if we feel like we're in control and if we feel like we're, um, you know, able to strive and, you know, be who we want to be and feel like we're, you know, accomplishing our goals. And at the same time, there's still more to go and, you know, we can still keep continuing and growing. Yeah, I love it. So let's finish off then from each of us for, we've talked a lot, there's so many areas to choice, there's so many things to be aware of, of what might be influencing some of your choices that you you weren't consciously aware of, because we've, we've brought in again how important those subconscious mind is in directing us. Let's go around for some key tips that work for you, that help you sustain positive choices which are going to have a good impact on your health and happiness timo let's start with you for that well one good option is get two kids that are almost identical to you see all the negative things about you in them <laughs> it helps you to realize <laughs> and it's very painful but <laughs> it helps you to realize okay so this is who i am actually this is my effect on people this this is a good thing but um, the most healthy thing i think is to be really honest to who you are and sometimes your biological needs and your social life will be so out of sync with each other out of alignment that uh, you might feel totally inadequate for your own environment and that drives people nuts especially women that drives people nuts and that makes them really really sick also over time because Although they don't know, their environment is not fitting them at all. Some can get out of it, but most of the people just they're just connected. And uh, and if you happen to be a mom or a dad uh, married into a family that you cannot just run away from because you have, then you have to find a way to make it work for you because you cannot just accept everything and it just makes you sick. I think, yeah, be honest about it and try to find a way to deal with it. And what about you, Lance? What are some of the key things that really work for you to help sustain your health and happiness? Um, getting into rhythms and routines and staying in them as much as possible. For me, that really helps. I mean, I know that's something that commonly helps many and most people, uh, but that really does help me stay on track. And so part of my routine is in the morning, I'm going outside, I'm getting sunlight in my eyes, I'm going for a little walk at least sometimes I'll do sprints, but some sort of exercise and just ensuring that I'm staying in my routine because that's part of a healthy process in and of itself. And you feel like you're accomplishing and doing something healthy within that routine, which is getting sunlight and going for a little walk. So something simple and basic like that really helps at night uh, or when I'm done off the, off the internet. I'll unplug the router. That is a, a routine for me that helps me. I know that I'm limiting my exposure to EMFs, which is only going to be a good thing short-term and long-term. So it's a, a little routine that I've built before I go to bed and make sure that that router is unplugged and we're good to go. Yeah, great. Yeah, I think for me, um, the habits or routines are really, really important. So I'm really, really strict on my morning routine, first thing in the morning, so that you're starting the day off well, 
and also last thing at night. And I can see when I don't sort of put those good processes, you know, the miracle morning, last thing at night into place, things really go off track for me quite quickly. So I often learn the hard way. Um, but that's really good. So for me, sort of making sure sort of I wake up and the first thing I do is my gratitude. Um, and then I do some simple breathing exercises. Um assuming I haven't got a cat on my head at this stage, which is the, my absolute perfect morning. Um, and then also starting the day off, like you said, Lance, with exercise is really, really important for me. And that sort of sets me up sort of ready to go. So what I've learned over the years is really sort of what works for me and what doesn't. But interestingly, I've also worked for me how much easier it is if I've got an accountability partner. Um, so, for example, in our household, one of the things we've done over the last year, which has made a huge difference to me, is having a cold shower every morning. And I never thought I'd be able to do that. So thank you, Wim Hof. But if you've got someone else in the household or a friend that you're sort of holding each other accountable, I find that really helps me cement it into a good habit, because otherwise I can be quite bad at starting things and not carrying on with them. So that's a top tip that I would give to people, whether you've got someone in your household or a friend that you can hold yourselves accountable so that if you've you've identified something that is really important to you that, you know, is going to benefit you physically, happiness wise, get someone to help you keep going with that long enough so it really becomes an established habit for you. And I would really like I'm going to put the link to this book again, but. For me, this book is absolutely brilliant. Happy mind, happy life, because this gives it says 10 simple ways to feel great every day. And actually, a lot of the advice that he says in here is so, so simple. We're not looking at, you know, things that are unachievable to people. They're looking at little things like you were saying about EMF, about um, exercise, about um, stillness, etc. So there's there's some beautiful little tips in there that I think every single person will find some things that will really transform their life. Um, so I'll put the links to that below. Any final words from you, Lance? Um, I think that we had another great conversation and really made a clear difference of some things. And, you know, the power of choice, again, like, I'm really learning this more and more in my life right now. And I'm just trying to convey that to help as many people as possible as well. Wonderful. And what about you, Timo? No, I totally agree with you. And um, I just think that being hard to yourself um, and taking a good look at yourself is the first thing you can do. And then you have to be happy with, uh, with your choices. Then not important what, but you have to accept that your choice for now is the perfect one. And it can be wrong for tomorrow's life. It can be also wrong in yesterday's life. But today you make this choice and you think it's right. If you have this mindset, I think you can be uh, really happy and uh, content with whatever you are achieving or doing. Brilliant. And I would also just finally add having good friends. I've got Timo and Lance. Um, just to be able to have discussions like this and find out what works for you and what doesn't and bounce ideas off and having good friends that are going to give you <laughs> some honest feedback as well really helps. Now, next week, we are going to be back with the really important subject of looking at mind over matter, the emotional links to disease, placebo, nocebo. So that's going to be another fascinating time. So until then, I really hope everyone has enjoyed this podcast. I hope that you've got a couple of tips that you can or, or thought provoking things that you can go and look into further to sort of help you out in your own personal right here, right now. And um, please let us know what you thought. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. And I hope there's at least one thing that you can take away and apply to your own life or to the lives of your animals. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And if you feel inspired, please do share with your friends and family. My goal is to inspire as many people as I can to live their best lives, to stay curious and to raise their consciousness and that of the collective. So to do this, I need to reach as many people as possible. And this needs your help. 
If you feel drawn, would you be willing to share your favourite episode with five different people? This helps us spread the word and also helps me encourage some exciting new guests to take part in this podcast. If you feel drawn to do that, I will be very, very grateful. All the links and discount codes where applicable for all the products that I support are on my two websites, katherineedwards.life and katherineedwardsacademy.com. All of the products are personally tried and tested by me, my family and my clients. And finally, please do press the follow or subscribe button, depending which platform you're listening on. And above all, stay curious and stay free.